Welcome to the Crocodile School podcast with Hilke Faber, transformational coach and founder of Growth Leaders Network, an award-winning author of Taming Your Crocodiles, and Carson V. Hetty, best-selling author of Salesman on Fire and sales director at Microsoft, as they explore together how we stay connected to and lead from our best selves. Where do we find the wherewithal to choose again and respond from our best selves? instead of giving in to fear-based reactivity, especially when challenged. How do we tame our crocodiles, those fear-driven voices that want to protect our ego at all costs? How do we become what we would like the world to become? Allow yourself to become present and enjoy this episode of the Crocodile School podcast. Hello there, and welcome to this episode of the Crocodile School podcast. Today, we're going to explore the growth leadership mindset, um, inspirational leadership, and the value of being present um, as we are leaders. Now, I'm going to you know, just go right out and say thank you for uh, hanging in there with us. I know we're uh, running a few minutes behind today, which is entirely my fault, uh, but it fits right there in that bucket of uh, fearless leadership. Um, being very present in this, um, I'm eager to uh, take this time today with my friend, Hilke Faber. Hilke, how are you today? I'm really well, and uh, I'm so tickled and honored that we're starting a podcast about taming your crocodiles and the growth leadership mindset, which is really about seeing every challenge as an opportunity to learn uh, 10 minutes late. So that's where my Dutch on-time mind ego, <laughs> a great joy to dance with. So thank you for that. You know what I find funny, um, and I've, I've shared this with a few people. Um, you know, pre-pandemic, I was the most punctual person on, on ever. Uh, it was always instilled in me, you know, by my by my parents. We were always five to ten minutes early for literally everything. Actually, they they're more like fifteen to twenty minutes early for everything. Um, and I, I feel like in the pandemic and after, um, it's been a uh, an, an interesting scenario by which. Um, a lot of our time is uh, gobbled up. And so I think it's important that we take this intentional time, uh, you know, for reflection and uh, to really sit in not only, you know, where we are um, and what's important, uh, but also really attuned to our surroundings and how we can, uh, you know, optimize ourselves and, and who we bring to the table. So uh, really eager to dive in. Uh, we've got some really interesting topics today, but I always like to go back uh, to the text. You know, this is episode four. We're doing uh, chapter three because we started with the introduction of, of uh, Taming Your Crocodiles. And um, if you've been with us before, I always like to kind of highlight one of my favorite passages from the text and then dive into some questions for my friend Hilke here. So uh, my, my favorite quote um, actually out of this chapter is this, and it's excellence without presence can lead to perfectionism and restlessness. And this resonates with me a great deal because I've always strived for doing the absolute best work that I can which there's nothing wrong with. Um, but at the same time, achievement doesn't necessarily lead to fulfillment. Um, part of that's working in sales because you're always, you know, tasked with more and more and there's, you know, a constant expectation, but I'm my own harshest critic. And so I think what this chapter really illuminated me to was being able to sit in and be comfortable with some of my fears, 
and then realize when the crocodile is talking to me versus when the owl is. So um, that was super helpful for me. But uh, Hilka, I'd love to jump in and uh, kind of dive into your inspiration here. Um, we talk about owls and crocodiles a lot in leadership throughout Taming Your Crocodiles. In fact, obviously, that's the impetus by which this is based. Why do we talk about that in leadership? Why do you think that work is so important? So just like every moment, there's a choice that we have, whether we know it or not. And this whole work for me is about amplifying and, and, and deepening our awareness of that choice. Where are we coming from? What's my motivation? Am I coming from the biggest sense of self, uh, my higher self, uh, who I wish the world would like to, I would like the world to become, like what I really would aspire to, which we call the owl, or am I coming from a um, less than at my best place? You know, uh, that may, now we understand as we've lo looked, at our, looked at ourselves a little bit, that that often has something to do with my ego, my sense of identity, the self-image I have, and uh, the sentence you just quoted about perfection, there's a rigidity to it. Like I notice that when I'm rigid, when I'm not at my best as a leader, as a human being, it has an impact on myself. Like I, I physically start to close off to the flow of inspiration. I become rigid, almost like a little less than fully human, more like robotic, less dimensional. And uh, when I allow myself to take a breath and choose again, tame that fear-based contraction and choose again, then I'm allowing for you know, greater wisdom, greater ease in myself, and also greater empathy and understanding and likely greater effectiveness and better thinking. Well, that is the impetus for, for this work to keep repeating our, to ourselves that question, who do I choose to be now? And you know, the sub-question that we practice with here just to keep it light and also keep out of judgment is, hey, who's talking right now? <laughs> is it my owl or is it my crocodile? As I, as, as you describe that, you know, I, I even think about just even in my own life, how I've kind of, you know, there's ebbs and flows. You know, I think sometimes, and, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad attribute to have, but I think sometimes we, we do try to shut off to uh, stay laser focused on whatever milestone we've got to hit, whatever process we're trying to follow. Um, and then other times, you know, we try to do everything we can to incorporate the personal personable elements. And I think what this does is help you find a solid balance of both, because that's where I think a lot of us lose sight of our best selves is we lack the balance, um, you know, between being able to be diligent and, and rigorous to discipline. Uh, but on the flip side of that, being as personable and, and in, as in touch with our ourselves and our true nature and true motives as we possibly can. It was, I believe in the field work, 
for one of the prior chapters, it might have been chapter one, uh, where you really got me thinking about um, some of these inspirational leaders, you know, thinking about, you know, who are some of these great leaders that we look toward and what is it that we maybe identify in them um, that we are drawn to? Um, you know, I, and I think it was even the statement that you made in the book was, you know, really about if you're able to identify some of those things, then clearly you have some of those attributes within yourself. So we want to kind of fan the flames of those things. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, so FDR, he's one of the one of the leaders that you highlight frequently uh, throughout this chapter. And um, I've always been fascinated with the presidents in general. I read all their biographies and autobiographies as a kid. I even won a President B, if you've ever heard of that, which those are probably not around anymore in fourth grade because it was oh, just man. naming just little factoids about all the presidents. But um, I remember reading FDR's biography and, you know, talk about living in an unprecedented time. You know, he was tasked with um, almost impossible decisions that had to be made. Um, how does FB, FDR and why does FDR inspire you? Uh, how does he inspire you to consciously choose mindset in the face of all this adversity? Yeah. So as we go into this, uh, as people are listening, I invite everyone to think about as a thought experiment of a challenge that you're facing right now doesn't have to be a big one. It can be a big one. It can be a small one. But whatever is on the table right now, whatever that challenge is, right? For it can be like, I am super busy. I have, quote unquote, too much to do. Or somebody's not doing what I need them to do. Or I, I made a mistake. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what to do with that. Or uh, I'm not sure about hitting my targets. Or I have a difficult meeting. Whatever it is. Yeah. Think about that. And so from that perspective, think about this 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 person that you admire which in my case includes fdr right so a challenge that i'm facing is that before year end i have a gazillion things to do that i all love to do and i have this 3 a.m wake up on monday morning where i'm like uh-oh <laughs> how is this gonna happen how is this gonna happen and i don't feel my best it's like in that moment, you may notice that our mind creates an image and the image is not so good. You know, it's, it's a problem and, and a problem that I have to fix or like run away from or I'm hopeless to or whatever. I become rigid in the face of that image, right? So I like to think about people I admire to replace that image or to oxygenate that image with something that's a bit more life-giving then the gook that my nervous system, usually coming from my ego, come, is, is coming up with, right? In comes FDR. So why do I admire FDR? There was one vignette from his story that I've learned that I just love and I want to share it with you because it's a vignette that I often think of when I'm the, in the 3 a.m. gook and try to pull myself out, right? No one to talk to besides my, me and my brain, basically, or me and me. So, so here we go. So FDR became president of the United States in the 1930s, like in the depth of the Great Depression. And just think about that for a second, how terrible and challenging that was. Like tons of people unemployed, tons, 25%, even more. People losing all of their life saving in one fell swoop because banks were falling over. Think about that for a second. Like imagine like we all know our, our bank account balances and our assets and stuff. We have that stuff. 
And like, I know the market's not been great this year, but imagine that number went from it where X to zero and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, people being hungry in the street. And the previous president, Hoover, basically left the White House saying, well, there's nothing I can do about this. And in comes FDR in 1933. And I remember FDR as this person with this smile on his face, not a cheap smile, but this kind of weathered smile. And he was weathered because he had child polio in his 40s, 50s, couldn't walk. And somehow from his wheelchair, found a way to run for president and actually win and take on that task. Talk about weathered smiles. He knew how to smile find confidence in himself, learning in himself in the face of challenge. So in, now he's president, March 1933. There's been these runs on the banks, basically people trying to get all their money out, right? Which destabilizes the financial system. So one of the first things that he did, the day after he became president, he put in what he called a bank holiday. That's a euphemism for saying the banks are closed. You can't do anything. Now, no more walking around, like running around the block and lining up around the block. You've got to basically sit tight while we reorganize things uh, and so on. So he did some stuff in the banking system to make it more solvent. Mechanics. Then uh, before he did that, uh, so as he did that, um, you know, people were like becoming more and more restless and like, what's, imagine that's happening, right? <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to open the banks yet. Then after a whole week on Sunday night in March, on March 12, 1933, he went on the radio for his first fireside chat. And FDR was, is a person that became uh, famous for these fireside chats. So he got himself on the radio. I think it was 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and that was how people communicated these days, right? This is, this, is, this is basically no internet, there's no TV. You're basically sitting with your neighbors in somebody's house who has a radio. And you're sitting around the radio, and there's your president. And you're like, oh my gosh, the banks are opening tomorrow again. What's going to happen? No, another, no, another deep valley in our dark existence, right? And here's part of what he says. There's an element in the adjustment of the financial system more important than currency, more important than gold. And that is the confidence of the people themselves. Confidence and courage are essential for carrying out our plan. Do not be stampeded by rumors or guesses. Let us unite in banishing fear. Together we cannot fail. And he said a few other things. There was no chat. People sit in their, in their homes. There's this guy who's been just present for a week. And he goes on the radio with that message. He starts talking about fear and confidence, basically about mindset. Well, guess what happened? The next day, people start to line up again at the banks but not to pull cash out, but actually to bring it back. And by the end of March of 1933, uh, two thirds of the hoarded cash had been returned. 
And we know many other great things that FDR did to help this country get back on its feet. So when I'm in my three o'clock AM Googly book, I think about what would FDR do? Would he give up? Or would he do something else? And he says, do not be stampeded by rumors or guesses from your crocodile. <laughs> you know? Let us unite in banishing fear. Confidence, the owl, like our best self. Let's bring that to this, whatever it is. Thank you for letting me share that. Well, now I know the technical term for what a lot of us experience at 3 a.m. It's 3 a.m. gobbledygook. So that was my my learning, one of my key learnings for today. I, I want to go back to the text again for something really important. And, and Hilke, thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of us have um, you know, leadership, uh, mentors, colleague mentors, aspirational mentors that we can um, almost put in place um, in these key times of, of impasse and uh, look at some of these um, you know, new ways that we could lead in those situations. Because I admit often uh, when, it, when I find myself having to shut down or check out emotionally so that I can push through a problem, um, it's more trying to limit the impact of limiting beliefs, which uh, limiting beliefs are often uh, the crocodiles in at, at full blast, right? Um, and on that token of kind of those limiting beliefs, you know, I thought this was interesting too, that you pulled out a couple of these interesting quotes around crocodile talk. Um, so before we take a break, I want to ask you one more question around crocodiles and crocodile talk. And this, uh, you had a couple of quotes in here, the director of the U.S. Patent Office in 1899 uh, said, everything that can be invented has already been invented. Um, our One of our past U.S. presidents, Grover Cleveland, said sensible and responsible women did not want to vote. And lastly, uh, a president of digital equipment in 1977 said there's no reason for any individual to have a computer in his home. I find that anytime I get handed to me an impossible situation, right? The odds are against you and the situation is grim. The impossible quota or uh, challenging deadline to meet. Uh, you can go in one of two directions. And some people do subscribe to the limiting beliefs and they allow them to almost give them the preloaded excuse. But I really liked what you articulated about how you can kind of see through the fog and look toward what a great leader uh, would do in these types of situations. How does our life shape the crocodiles that live in our minds and affect us the most um, in our life and leadership, in your opinion? It's a big question before the break. So <laughs> I'll do a short, short view on that from my perspective. I think we're being shaped every day, every moment, every minute from the time that we get born and maybe even before. Right. So all these experiences chisel away at us. All these, like, think about, like, we take all these pictures with our phones these days. Our nervous system takes pictures, images, all, every year, every day, every second, whether we know it or not. We have impressions that we store. And, and that informs us. So if we grow up in a place where it's safe, where we're loved and cared for, where there's unconditional love, no judgment, um, you know, we have different impressions when, when that's not the case. Yeah. And we start to, and because our nervous system is not bad, what it does with these impressions, it tries to find a response to this. 
to these impressions, the reactions, right? So we, from the very early age, um, make some educated guesses of how to best respond to a particular picture, whatever happens. And it happens to be that those challenging pictures are the ones, just like still today, cause pull more, most of our attention. So we start to identify with that. So like we start to think, well, if I grew up in a place where there was performance pressure, I start to have a very strong reaction that's crocodile that says, I have to be perfect all the time. I have to be better all the time. If I grew up in a place where status and um, uh, recognition was important, then I'm probably gonna have some crocodile belief that's driving me uh, that that is about like, I always have to please you or be recognized. And I think a lot of uh, our society actually feeds that right now with all the likes and the, the followers and this and that, you know? It's like, how many followers do you have followed by how much money do you have? That kind of, I think is the sequence these days. Um, so it's, it's like, it's becoming aware of the images that we have. Notice that our reptilian brain is not equipped to come up with a wise response in most cases. And saying in most cases, because in some cases it's very helpful, right? It helps us to, to, to run away from fire if we need to. Um, and then it's a time to say, okay, so that's all the stuff is crocodilian impression. We can choose again. We can choose again. And that's why this question, this is why this, choosing it again is so important it's choosing again saying no i'm not going to give in to the old belief that i formed in response in reaction to this image of what happened way back when i'm going to choose a fresh i'm going to choose a new response in this moment not the goobly gook echo from the past all right great answer you know we, we look around we we're inundated with, to your point, Hilka, these images of what we should want or could have. And I think we're constantly, in some cases, we, we continue to strive for these things, but all it leaves in us is a sense of lack of fulfillment uh, because there's something more we could or should have rather than being present and being happy, uh, being having peace um, around what we've achieved, what we've accomplished, where we are, and the excitement about where we're going. Uh, well, where we're going in the immediate is uh, to a very quick break, and then we'll come back for one of my favorite segments of the program where um, Hilka gives me some one-on-one -on -one coaching. So we'll see you soon. You are listening to the Crocodile School podcast, where we are exploring connecting deeply to our true selves, especially when challenged. If you would like to learn more about leadership and team connectedness and taming the crocodiles that get in the way of leading from our true selves, please contact Growth Leaders Network on LinkedIn. And now back to the Crocodile School podcast with your hosts, Hilka Faber and Carson V. Hetty. All right, here we are. So Carson, before we do the coaching, I just want to highlight something that you just said before the break. And please, um, by the way, I so appreciate how real you keep it all the way from your acknowledgement in the beginning, because that's what this is about, right? Staying real with ourselves and saying, how do I respond to this right now? And you, you starting the podcast today, the way you started was really touching to me. Um, and then what you said at the end before the break, like, 
when I give in to my crocodilian reactions, basically colluding with the beliefs that I'm fed, like you should get more, you're never enough, you should please, you should be perfect. I feel unhappy. And that to me is really good news. Because let's say you felt totally ha happy, right? We'd have no clue that there might be another alternative to consider. So even though our nervous system has a reptilian brain, it also has a truth meter that says, ah, no, 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 maybe there's something else here to consider. And so that unhappiness, sadness, frustration, anxiety, as I, I often see as an invitation to pause and choose again. So with that, let's start with some coaching with you, Carson. So what's a challenge you'd like to talk about today? Yeah. And, and thank you again for this opportunity. Um, you know, Hilke, you were saying some things earlier about just some of the rigidity that, you know, we sometimes experience or, you know, we, we feel that we have to have, you know, a certain outcome or, you know, tangible, um, you know, thing that we've, we've chased and gotten. And it's, it's interesting. I think you and I are on very similar journeys where we put things into the world and, you know, we make investments, uh, in relationships and people. And, um, I'm always very pleasantly surprised as to where these things can go. Um, I never would have imagined being able to have these types of conversations with you two years ago when I kind of accidentally became a podcast host. And so um, it's interesting to me where I can put a lot of these things out into the world, but you reach a point where you you have a challenge finding balance. And the big that's the biggest challenge that I face. The, you know, my crocodiles are always telling me, um, you know, there's, there's more you can do here or... Um, the things that you're chasing in this um, are are fruitless, or um, you're not going to get what you want by doing X. And and I think for me, Hilka, the, the real challenge that I face as a leader, and, and frankly as a as a person, as a husband, as a father, is that you know, am I enough? Am I enough? Am I bringing enough of myself to this situation? Um, I, I alluded at it to the to it at the onset of this conversation that you know we get pulled in a lot of different directions, and you know I find myself ebbing and flowing between being my true self, and then sometimes literally just having to shut down my emotional response so that I can get through a tough moment. Um, you know, it's been a challenging last few years, right? And there's a lot of good challenges. Don't get me wrong. There are good challenges there. It's, it's fun to have uh, too much to do in certain cases. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, it's a blessing uh, to have a lot of things, you know, a lot of opportunities, but at the same time, learning how to selectively, you know, prioritize and, and uh, be diligent and, and put yourself and your family and, and your, you know, your uh, primary career first, um, those things, you know, take, take some effort and take some work. So I think what I'm struggling with most and what I'd love to get your help with today is just how can I be, how can I be present in these key moments to be my best self for everything that is a top priority for me. I, th I think I know how to be disciplined with my scheduling and how to prioritize a lot of these things, but how can I be present more often? Yeah. Let's just turn that question upside down, which is what's the crocodile getting out of not being present? Let's just riff on that for a second. Like, Think about you being out of balance. What are you getting from being out of balance? Like, how is that yeah. helping? 
surviving instead of thriving. Yeah. That's really it. Yeah, it's surviving instead of thriving. So there's a sense of I want to I need to survive. Right? So survival how does that show up practically in terms of how you manage your meetings, your schedules, different competing demands on your being? It literally up? feels like you're treading water 90% of the time, um, trying to stay afloat above the flow of activity, the flow of requests and demands, um, you know, always feel like feeling like you're letting someone down, but trying to give the best you can to each initiative or person. And while I'm often giving, you know, 100% of myself in one given conversation, you know, I may let others uh, you know, my my attention span shifts because my email inbox is flooded to over 500 while I've been in back to back meetings trying to be present for everyone that I possibly can that I'm trying to prioritize. And so um, it is it much turns into a survival motion as opposed to thriving. And you keep telling yourself, oh, I'll get rest on you know the, the last week of the year or you, you keep trying to justify it to yourself. But it never really happens. And what's the crocodile's hope? Like in the perfect world, what would happen? Yeah, I mean, the, the hope is that you're able to, you know, be able to fire on all cylinders. I, um, you know, and, and manage everything flawlessly. Um, and, and the crocodile tells you you can do it. In some ways, it's funny because the crocodile is the very one leading you down this path of despair. And a lot of times crocodiles are the ones that give you these limiting beliefs, but they can also give you false beliefs. You yes. know, they can tell you, oh, you're, you're doing great. You, you can keep doing this. Uh, yes. They don't have your best interests at heart. Yes, yes, yes. So, so that it's trying to help us. So one of the images that that part of your brain and mind seems to be pursuing is some kind of perfection. Like I'm going to have 500 emails and they're all going to be, I'm going to have a clean inbox. <laughs> right? Ooh, that's so gave up on that a long time ago. Like I'm going to have a clean inbox. Everything will be responded to. I will give, have attention to everything and so on, right? And the thing is, it's a funny loop because the more present we become, it becomes easier to do more things well, right? Because I'm more actually in the moment. So I'm able to do things better and better. At the same time, I'm still a human being, right? I still am a human being and there's still 24 hours in the day and I want to sleep X amount of hours, you know, six to eight hours seems to be the recipe for success and health for most people, more toward eight and less toward six for most people. And not one of, I don't know an expert on that, but that, that's sort of, a, so there's, there's that 24 minus eight waking hours available. That I think my quick math was 16. So what's going to happen in the 16 hours? So the crocodile says, I'm going to do it all today. It's going to be the day I'm going to do it all. At least this week, I'm going to do it all, right? Just feel that. What is the energy? Like, let's say that's the image that you're pursuing. What's that feeling like in your body? I mean, it feels like if you can attain that, you'd be unstoppable. And I think sometimes yeah. you get these delusions of grandeur that you can truly do it. But the reality is you can push yourself to a certain point, but we all have limits. Some of us have greater threshold for it. Um, you know, I, I function on about five good hours of sleep a day, if that, and, uh, I push myself pretty much to the limit every single day, trying to invest in all the relationships that I prioritize. But, you know, it leaves you feeling very depleted at the end of the day. It leaves you feeling like you gave everybody about 60% of yourself when they deserve a hundred and, uh, really makes you feel like you're not fulfilled 
because you're not fulfilling your best. Right. So your relationship with yourself is it's last. It's yeah, last. My relationship with myself is last. Yes. You know? And you know, you know now how that feels. Not good. Not good, right? Not good. So notice how this crocodilian system, which keeps us small, is very smart. Because mm -hmm. it's both a carrot and a stick. So the carrot is, ooh, look at that. I might get that. Let me just try that. <laughs> like the addict, right? I'm sitting at a little strong. Oh, there it is. Yeah. On the other side, there's also a fear here. So what are you afraid of in this, let's call a quit for what it is, saying no to some things? I don't know that it's necessary. There is some element of that because I know you and I have talked about that before. Is there's an element of saying no and and you know okay. feeling like you're letting someone down or that you're missing out on an opportunity. So we call that FOMO, right? So there's yeah. you know th there's those that's crocodile speak. But I think the stronger one is the one saying you you can do it all. Why why say no to anything? You can do it all, and ah. that's the dangerous one. So 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 there's this pull carrot like you can do it all. That's the pool. So then we we tame that crocodile by asking ourselves a very simple question. How is it working for you? Dr. Phil Christ, how is that working for you? Depends on the day. <laughs> but how, all the by the by, you know, I think over time it makes you feel less and less impactful. You know, it's funny. I we've we've talked about this too, and I talk about this with people on my team. Um, you know, here a few short years ago, uh, back in 2019 and before, um, you know, it was commonplace for us to frequently go into offices or as the sellers, uh, you know, be out in the field and maybe see three, four, five customers in a day. And we somehow found time for all of that and to stay on top of all of our other rhythm of business. But um, there's, I think this element of, you know, working remotely more often, this element of, you know, now cutting out the commute and uh, some of the drive time, uh, th this time has been filled and we justify it here and there. Um, I think some of us are, you know, are, are very uh, adamant that we'll get that, that uh, blocked off time to focus. But sometimes, you know, despite our best intentions, it still gets gobbled up. Um, and so I think that's the key element is we almost have to find that point where we're going to draw that line in the sand. I got a hard time finding my line to draw. I, I keep letting it retreat. And that is, uh, that is one of my weaknesses. So you started off with maybe already your answer. Oh, sure. In this whole podcast, right? Where the quandary seems to be, so what do I do? And the question you asked me, remember, was about, well, what happens when you bring more presence? Presence is also about truth and awareness. So what happens, Carson, when you bring more truth and awareness, more presence? Like, look at yourself, maybe from the balcony perspective. Take a look at yourself. This part of you that thinks I can do it all. Your, 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 the side of you, the part of you that is even wiser than the one that's speaking right now. What would that say to you? That you're missing the big picture, the things that you should really nail, you're not doing. And those are the things that you need to really stay focused on as opposed to trying to boil the ocean. Yeah. yeah. Say that again in different, different words to really let it sink in for you and for everyone. 
Yeah. Um, take a, I love the balcony view image. Um, I know that's part of the coaching that we've done together historically. And, and that really resonated with me. I use that a lot in my coaching sessions. Now, when you take a balcony view approach of yourself, or in this case, as I do of me, uh, to be able to look at, you know, the things that I know are true to me, the things that I know are important to me, it's a lot easier to see where I'm missing the boat by trying to boil the ocean or trying to focus on everything. Um, I'm missing out on some really big picture, big ticket items uh, because of that shortcoming and that short-sightedness of myself. Fantastic. I, I love that, Carson. So maybe to conclude this session and also getting towards the end of this podcast already, these things go so fast, is the crocodile does not prioritize in our best, highest self-interest, right? It's survival interest. When we take a step back, like you're, as you're saying, what's truly important to you comes to the surface, but we need to take a step back to allow that, that simple question just to take time with it. What is truly important for me right now, today, this week, this month, this year, and how will I give my presence, my attention to that? Couldn't have said it better. Hilka, thank you. Um, you know, just to share my key takeaway for today, um, what really resonated with me is to think about and be intentional about thinking about some of these great leaders that we um, you know, that we look up to, that we um, admire for whatever reason. And it doesn't have to be a holistic admiration. There are traits, there are characteristics that we admire about these people. And that's good uh, because that means that uh, some of that trait or characteristic resides in us. And these are things that we can, uh, there are things that we can do to fan the flame. Um, I loved your idea of kind of putting that leader or what we think about that leader into the predicaments that we face on a day-to-day -day basis as we try to tame our crocodiles. So with that, um, I'll just say, uh, you know, thank you everyone for joining the Crocodile School podcast today. Today, we talked about uh, growth leadership mindset and making that conscious decision. Uh, next week, next time, sorry, we're going to dive into uh, chapter four from Taming Your Crocodile. So can't wait to do that with you. Uh, so please do join us the next time on the Crocodile School podcast. Uh, thank you again, uh, Hilka, for your time. And thanks for joining Hilka and me today. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining the Crocodile School podcast with your hosts, Hilka Faber and Carson V. Hetty. Take a moment to pause and appreciate something about yourself and enjoy taming your crocodiles, growing more and more into your true potential. See you next time at the Crocodile School.